You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. If you've always wanted to share yoga with underserved communities or people who don't already think of themselves as yoga practitioners, but feel stuck about how to get started, this episode's for you. If you sometimes struggle with how to challenge the misconceptions that many people have about yoga, this episode's for you. And if you love hearing inspiring stories about the power of a simple yoga practice, this episode is definitely for you. My guest, Brandon Dawson Jarvis, is a Montreal-based social entrepreneur and yoga instructor. Brandon is the founder of Grove Campus, which is a company that organizes and executes community events and donation-based yoga sessions. His efforts have resulted in helping families in need with school supplies, holiday toys, among other initiatives. Brandon is passionate about building stronger communities and helping individuals feel better through meditation and yoga. Brandon is super kind. He's such an inspiring person, and he's making a huge difference in the world. I know his story will give you hope, both for the future of humanity and also for the impact that yoga can make on a person's life. I'll let him tell that story in his own words. So let's jump right into the conversation, and I'll see you on the other side. Brandon, welcome to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation today. So excited to talk about how to communicate the benefits of yoga to people who don't already think of themselves as the type of person who would be into yoga. Because you have a story that's similar to this, that you'd never thought of yourself as being somebody who'd be into yoga. And now it's like your whole life or, you know, a big part of your life. So tell me, what did you used to think about yoga? And then we'll get into more, you know, what you think about it now, but let's start there. Yeah, so definitely a huge thank you for having me here today. Super honored to be here. And I think that is a great starting point um, is to kind of examine not only our own thoughts, but just kind of like when we're having conversations with people, just to see their thoughts around a certain subject. And I can remember when yoga was first uh, presented to me as sort of this alternative um, to mental health issues, I just thought it was such a ridiculous suggestion. Um, So at the time I was suffering with uh, depression and for about a year, I like, I was bedridden and couldn't get out of bed and had been kind of asking, um, for resources around uh, psychologists or therapists just to kind of like unpack um, childhood traumas and stuff like that. I just didn't know how to navigate those waters by myself. And I figured professionals would be able to kind of guide me through that. And after about a year of just not being able to connect with any professionals, my partner suggested I try yoga. And like I mentioned, I was just like, that is the most ridiculous suggestion in the world. Like, what's a little bit of stretching and breathing going to do for me? Um, I need professional help. Um, But I decided to 
kind of add a little bit of humility in there and figured I don't know what I don't know and might as well give it a try. And like you said, since a couple of, of sessions into it, uh, my world changed. And uh, now I aim to try to uh, share that with people who share the same thoughts, so to speak, in that they don't see themselves, they don't identify themselves with the Western yoga class. And, uh, and yeah, just try to add a little bit of representation in there. One thing that I think makes you different is that moment of humility that you had, that moment of saying, you know what, what do I have to lose? And I, it makes me wonder, where did that come from? And why do you think you were able to have that open mind where so many people, I think, especially men, I think are taught like, oh, no, I have all the answers. I'm supposed to have it all together. And so anything that challenges my worldview is dangerous, really. There's there's some reaction, this sense that it must be dangerous and it has to be rejected. Yeah, um, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's uh, this I this this belief that, um, and I think it solidifies the older we get. We just have this view of the world, and we have this view of the world, and we know the world, and we understand how things work, and we're set in our ways, and there is no other way. And if I'm alive for 30, 35, 40 years, and this is the way things work, and it's so hard to kind of see another way of doing things. So I, I believe children have that ability and I'm not sure at what age um, humans lose it, but uh, towards our adulthood, our adult ages, uh, we tend to lose that. But for me, I did have it. I did have it. I had a strong belief on how life was, how I was, my identity, who I was, what I like, what I didn't like. And all of that, of course, shaped my world. And at about the year mark of the depression, I was just so fed up of how I was thinking. I was fed up of my thoughts and I was so desperate to like feel better. I'm pretty sure had anybody suggested I eat like three green apples in a row and I'll feel better, I would have, I would have went to the supermarket and, and bought the apples right there and then. Um, so I just know for myself that I was just creating a lot of pain and turmoil in my life. And really at that point, I was just so open to anything that would have really helped me and, and guided me and given me the tools to kind of uh, navigate everything that I was going through. And so, yeah, I was just, I walked into that yoga class and I remember um, how daunting and intimidating it felt. Um, just before the class, there was just a lineup of, of, of people and they were all women and I was the only man there. And I just felt like so out of place. And um, I was just like, yeah, this is it. Here I am. I'm going to walk in and, and hopefully um, gain something out of this. And you, I, I, understood a little bit about yoga before I just I knew it was an ancient practice and I figured it was around for so many years it had to be a reason um, but it's just like I said there's a lack of of representation in the community so when I walk by storefronts or when I pick up magazines or even um, little boxes of um, I think my, my partner has um, a box of uh, 
tampons and there's a person doing yoga on it and they all look the same you know what i mean so there's a lot of marketing and advertising around how a yoga person is supposed to be and so are supposed to look like i should say and so when it was suggested to me i'm like i don't look like that at all and i guess i didn't give my myself permission to actually practice and so i just find it ironic because now i know a little bit more about yoga and it originally was for men and now it transferred over here to the West and uh, women kind of hopped on the bandwagon. And so the men now are kind of hesitant to try it just because you're supposed to be flexible and you're supposed to do this and that and the other. Um, but yeah, I'm just happy that I tried it. I gave it its fair chance and uh, the rest kind of is history. So in the terms of addiction, they call your experience rock bottom, right? You hit rock bottom where you were just like, I'm done, I'm done suffering. And I wonder what have you found to communicate the benefits of yoga to people who aren't there yet? Like we don't want to wait for people to be at rock bottom before they're willing to try this because you don't have to suffer that much, right? So what has your what has your experience been? What has worked for you to be able to share with people that you don't have to be at rock bottom to give this a try? Right, so I think it's just to acknowledge where the person's at and kind of their, their thoughts and their beliefs and just let them know that it's valid. Um, let them know that there's a lot of people out there who are doing the marketing advertising and they are trying to sell their products, but it's not necessarily what um, a yoga person is supposed to look like or, or whatever the case is. So just acknowledge that like, okay, yeah, you might look different. You might not have the same type of body or skin complexion or whatever the case is that makes you different. Um, but let's go a little further and see other than like your thoughts, what, what are your beliefs? Try to examine that a little bit. And you'll hear a lot about like flexibility or lack thereof and other things of that such. So I think it's really important to acknowledge um, how the person is feeling in, in that state and what their beliefs are. And even try to see if you connect on that. Oh, yeah, I used to think that way or, oh, yeah, I had that belief, too. And like I said, it really shapes how we view the world, how we view ourselves and depending on what's going on in their life, if they continue down that path, then they're gonna maybe, uh, hopefully not, but it, chances are they might um, come to that rock bottom, that place. And um, at that point, maybe the seed was planted before, they say, okay, I'm, I'm at this place. This is what people had warned me about, um, but there's this practice that I can try to take up and uh, I'm at that point where I'm open and receptive to trying it. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Um, but uh, if, if, it, if we can try to encourage people before that point is I think really just to uh, connect with their thoughts and their beliefs and just say like, yeah, I used to share that as well. And kind of this is the path that it led me down. Um, and if you can avoid that because it comes with a lot of um, internal anguish and tension and all of that other stuff. Um, yeah, just try to pick up a practice. And I would also say to, it's important to, as best as possible, try to connect with a teacher that 
um, shares the same type of, of um, thoughts and feelings and life experience as you. Um, so regardless of what they look like, there's a lot of people, uh, let's take addiction, for example, addiction, mental health issues, all of these things that it doesn't really target a certain demographic, age group, uh, gender, whatever the case is. So I think as teachers, if we share a little bit about what we've been through, if we're vulnerable um, and speak on our life experience, it can kind of give that permission to the, the ones, the, the students, the, the ones coming to the class to say, okay, um, this person thought like this, they experienced the same thing, they're carrying um, that trauma, and they were able to, to release that and, and move through that um, through this practice. So I think on the teacher's hand, um, it's important to kind of allow for that space of vulnerability and openness. And then I think it gives permission to everyone else to say like, okay, I'm acknowledging how I feel and um, I'm ready to kind of like work through that. I love that. That's beautiful. I find that when I talk to people who are not familiar with yoga, they tend to be really open and curious, actually, not necessarily to the point of trying it, but that the conversation around it, usually what happens is that people make some kind of comment about yoga that's like way off in left field, but based on assumptions, based on how it's portrayed in the media and in marketing, like, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. And so what I'll say is something like, actually, did you know that yoga is not really concerned with your flexibility? It's really more about your mind. Mm -hmm. Just something as simple as that opens the door. And generally I've found that 98% of the time people are like, really? Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Really? I had no idea. All I, all I know is what I see in the media. And I'll be like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, but you know, this is what the marketing machine has turned our perception of yoga into, but it's completely false. And then that starts a conversation. So what I'd love to hear from you is what words do you use to initiate the curiosity, to spark that curiosity? Yeah, so that's a really great question. And the way that I've kind of approached that is I try to divide it into different practices um, and so I'll kind of present it as like, there's definitely the physical practice and I'll even take it a step forward uh, or a step further, I should say, in that regardless of the physical practice, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing yoga. There's a lot of uh, movement modalities where like you're moving, you can have um, hit training, you can have different types of circuit training, or whatever the case is, I think what sets yoga apart is obviously the, the breathing um, component that is added to it, but is also the awareness of like what's going on internally. So you have your physical practice, you have your emotional practice, which is what's going on in your heart, what emotions, what feelings are arising for you. And you also have your, your mental practice. Um, what are the thoughts associated with that? And for me, yoga is that happy marriage, that union, that junction of all of that. So, okay, I'm going to present to you um, this, this asana. But just for the sake of our conversation, let's say it's um, 
uh, tripod headstand. I know that's an advanced pose, uh, so definitely don't present that to somebody who is just starting off. But let's say, for example, you're doing a tripod headstand or even crow pose. If you're doing crow pose, uh, so this is a physical practice. It's an arm balance or a head balance or whatever the case is. Um, but as you go up for the crow pose in your arm balance, what emotions are you feeling? What, what thoughts are you thinking? Okay, I'm, I'm not strong enough, or um, I might fall over. Okay, so acknowledge that. Oh, there's space for fear. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing fear. I'm seeing maybe emotions connected to that, thoughts connected to that. Um, so how do we move through that? How can we place props to make you feel a sense of support? How can we layer, slowly layer? Nobody goes from... Um, a pile of, of bricks to building a, a house overnight. You know, you have to kind of slowly layer things onto one another. And as you do, you're going to experience um, change of breath, change of emotions, change of thoughts. So it's really just to kind of lend your awareness to all those different um, components, those different practices, um, and, and see how you can keep them all together. Because if you can do your tripod handstand, your crow pose, your all this other stuff, but you're just really not taking that practice uh, with you in your everyday life um, and doing your best. I'm not saying you have to get everything perfect at every one moment, but just that awareness, of doing your best and, and just adding that component of self-study and self-analysis, um, that, that's yoga. So definitely if you are that's yoga for me, I should say. But definitely if you are uh, presenting this to somebody who has no uh, practice or no preconception or they their preconception is based off marketing and advertising, um, I would just break it up into different practices and, uh, and yeah, just really invite them to, to say like, okay, when you're doing this, like be aware of what's going on in your heart or be aware of what's going on in your thoughts. And, uh, and that's yoga. And you can do yoga without even moving your, your body, you know? So that's how I would present it. So do you have any stories or specific examples of students or friends who you've introduced to yoga? And can you tell us a little bit about the journey that you've witnessed? Yeah, so um, it's still a challenge for me to uh, get people into, uh, especially men, into um, yoga classes or practicing yoga classes. I've been trying uh, for about three years to get my father to a class, and he's still reluctant to try it. A couple of friends have come out um, and tried it once or twice. I believe what is most powerful and what I hear people um, kind of reiterate, what the, the theme that really keeps coming back is the, the switch that, not the switch, but the, the progression, I should say, the progression that, that happened for myself um, since I first started my practice and kind of the person that, I, that I've kind of uh, transitioned or kind of grew into. Um, and so when people... Because when I first um, started yoga, Mado, you, you should have seen, I hopped on the phone and I, I have a group chat with a few of my friends from high school. And I was just like, guys, we need to go to yoga class. We need to do this. We need to go. 
I don't, I can't believe like we've never practiced before. And I was just like shooting like these, you should, you need to, you need to, you should like you're, you're missing out. And everybody was just like, what are you talking about? Who are you? Uh, you, you just got out of a depression or you just came out of prison or this, that, and the other. And I was just like, you are right. Cause I remember when I was younger Adults kept telling me what I should do, but they were not able to do that themselves. And so that made me very wary of them and not very trusting of them. So I was like, you're telling me to do something and you can't even do it yourself. Uh, I, it doesn't really make me feel comfortable. So when they had said that to me, I was like, oh my God, you're right. Okay, hold on tight. I apologize for even mentioning anything you should do, but uh, just like, I'm going to continue doing it. And like, yeah, we'll just see how things go. And again, this was three years ago. And uh, I've had people say that they don't even recognize me anymore, which is a good thing. Um, and uh, it's been night and day and all these other comments. And for me, that's a, it's a huge compliment because how things were before was uh, very messy. And uh, like I said, harboring a lot of um, heavy and toxic emotions and uh, and yeah, able to kind of work through that and release a lot of it and um, transmute a lot of it and uh, just shifted my 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 life and way of being. And uh, yeah, like I said, it, when they say those things, I take it as a as a compliment and just uh, just proves the ability of this practice. I love that example because it really shows that we cannot convince somebody else to do something. Right. And for myself as a mom, I have an 18 year old daughter. Right. And so there's all of these things where I'm like, Oh, why won't you just listen to me? Why won't you just learn from my wisdom and my experience? But it doesn't work that way. Right. I don't always succeed. I try so hard to keep my mouth shut. It yeah. never helps when I like, tell her what she should do. It doesn't work. So that's such a great reminder. And, you know, we can live by example yeah. and we can share our truth and some people will be ready to hear it and some won't. Right. I'm super curious. Did any of your friends end up trying it from that original thread? Yeah. Yeah. They all have tried it. They all have tried it. So we're four in the in the group chat. They all have tried it. And actually one of them had reached out to me just recently saying, um, okay, I'm ready for uh, summer sessions to start again. Um, and so we normally under different circumstances, we have um, sessions in the park outdoors um, during the summertime. And uh, this year, because of COVID, uh, we're trying to see how to navigate that. But um, yeah, three years later, he's finally ready to give it its fair shot. I think he started before, because, more so because, well, on one hand, he wanted to encourage me as a friend, which is super uh, cool of him. But on the other hand, um, the girl that he was dating at the time was really into yoga. And uh, she kind of pulled him by his ear to come to the class. But uh, now I think he's ready and willing to try it on his own and, and give it its fair shot. So, so yeah, I think that's really important when people do show up to the class, they have to show up for themselves and not for anybody else. Um, and 
and yeah so uh yeah but all of them had tried it and uh i think two out of the four it's really uh they have a more so of a regular practice or they're ready to, to start a regular practice yeah it's not for everybody and not everybody's ever going to get to the place of being ready i think that's a place to look to our own practice of attachment and non-attachment and what is it about me and my patterns and my stories that makes me feel like my own happiness is dependent on this other person being happy or taking specific actions there is this independence even as we're interdependent with all living beings right there's also this independence of responsibility that we're responsible for our own experience and we really have to give people the space give our loved ones the space to be on their own path and i just you know always comes back to me to the the journey of parenthood because that's where it and you have a you have a little one right yeah i have uh he's gonna be two in, next month yeah so this is way down the road for you but this is like the hardest yoga practice in the world yes. is letting them make mistakes yeah and letting them be on their own journey yeah and we do this to you know to some degree with our all of our loved ones but then we're so enmeshed with our with our children so yeah, yeah no i i i agree with you and uh although i'm uh trying as much as possible right now to mentally prepare myself for that um i found it very challenging uh, to do that with my partner um just because i was i could see her heading for an iceberg and i was just like hey look out watch out and the more you try the more you're hands-on the more resistance uh the person is going to put up and so yeah you just gotta let people live their life because i can name you uh, uh a whole list uh you know those old books with the phone numbers the the phone books of people who've tried to stop me from heading for my iceberg and uh it was just i know what's best and i know everything and i i yeah just those were my thoughts and uh and then yeah i collided and uh luckily for myself i've had a beautiful network of of support people to catch me when uh, when I did hit rock bottom. And so super grateful for them. And again, super grateful for this practice uh, to kind of uh, slowly climb out of that, that, that depth. Yeah. But yeah, we just got to kind of step back and, and be there for for them when they when they go through the thick of it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, your story really illustrates how it's not necessarily going to be the people that are closest to us that want to hear and want to learn from our journey. A lot of times it will be people that are further out, further removed. Mm -hmm. And we just need to be alert for those who are ready. We can share and share and share and then be alert for those who are ready to hear, those who are responsive. And I know you have some thoughts and some ideas about how to do outreach, how to connect with populations who might not have access to yoga and what that could look like. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So 
even for myself, because I know that like uh, teacher training is super expensive and not always financially accessible. Um, so if people who offer teacher tra trainings can kind of seek out marginalized communities, people who don't really have financial accessibility, if there's barriers there, um, people who are underrepresented. So I'm thinking LGBTQ, I'm thinking men, I'm thinking uh, people of color, uh, just to try to get them in teacher training so that people in their communities can identify with a teacher. But even if you are white, female, just try your best to kind of reach out to these marginalized communities. So at the end of the day, if you peel away our, our skin layer and all of the kind of beliefs that come along with that, if you peel away our gender and the beliefs that come along with that and everything else that we're kind of building around our identity, if we take that all away, at the end of the day, we're all people, we're all humans, and we all go through life experiencing similar things. Maybe there's certain differences in like texture and taste and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we all go through life. We all have our ups and downs. And like I said, if you can share your truth, share your vulnerability. Like I remember when I was young, I thought that all white people were rich and I thought all white people were happy. I remember thinking that I don't, I, I don't remember how young I was, but I was pretty young and I was just like, we're poor because we're black and this and that and the other. And we're struggling because this, that and the other. And every, where everyone else lives in nice houses and nice neighborhoods and all this fun stuff. And so if we can get teachers out in front of these communities to say like, hey, listen, like, doesn't matter like where we grew up, doesn't matter how much money we have, doesn't matter what car we drive, what school we go to, like it does count for something, but it's not everything you know what i mean like we like everybody no matter if you're white you still have your your challenges you have your ups and downs it's just, it might be different but you still kind of have those things that you have to work through um and so if we can get people to kind of open up and and speak their truth and share their experiences uh it will change i think it will change a lot so uh if you have the opportunity to support um underserved people in their in their teacher training uh, to get them into their communities to to share yoga that would be great um, and if not if you are a teacher if you have like an hour or two to spare a week reach out to your local shelters whether it's an addiction shelter a women's shelter if you can get into hospitals to do yoga with the children there sick kids or whatever the case high schools Sometimes there's even funding for this stuff. So yeah, there's just plenty of ideas. I feel like if we kind of sit in our guilt and shame, um, doesn't it's not a real good starting place. And oftentimes we just want to ignore it and turn a blind eye. Uh, but if we can maybe acknowledge our privilege, it's not necessarily bad to have that. I wouldn't wish my upbringing on anybody. I'm happy if people are like, oh, I grew up in this environment and I felt this way, I'd be like, okay, super cool. You know what I mean? But with that being said, we are all connected, like you said, and we all 
are part of the same community. Even if something happens down the street, like I might still feel a certain way about it. If something happens in another country, I might feel a certain way about it. And if I can do something, you know what I mean? You can take that responsibility and take a certain level of power and try and transmute that shame or guilt into something positive that you can share in the world. And you might change lives with that. And I think that's super powerful. It is. I know that for myself, I often feel overwhelmed because at no point in history have we ever been as exposed to the pain and suffering happening in the world. And, you know, we all respond differently to that kind of stimulus, but sometimes it's a shutdown uh, response, Mm -hmm. the freeze response. And I like your suggestion where if we can just take one step and take a a gift that we have, which is teach, teaching yoga and offer that gift out, that could be a ripple effect, really, because like you were saying, you know, there is, we can connect as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who definitely only want to be taught by people who are very similar to them. And that's, you know, that's their own response. That's their own safety zone. Mm-hmm. But I've had so many connections with so many different types of people who were happy to meet on the playing field of shared humanity, basically. And that's a really powerful thing to, to take on. So thank you for that invitation and that inspiration. I would love to hear a little bit too. I know you have created a nonprofit. Is that right? Can you tell me a little bit about it? So it's for profit. And so, yeah, we have a company here and it's people kind of, I guess they, they view it as a nonprofit because we do a lot of uh, community work. And so we sell. Um, so the way it started was um, I was super passionate and adamant about sharing uh, yoga and its benefits. And I was just doing it uh, through Instagram. And uh, one day, one of my friends, who's not in the group chat, but another friend had reached out to me and asked, uh, what happened to you? And I was like, yoga, I refined my answer today to self-study. But at that point, I thought it was yoga. Um, So I said, yoga, yoga, you need to try it. You need to try it. And he's like, okay, can you teach me? And I was like, "Uh, no, I, I just started the practice like a couple months ago like I don't know much and he's like okay but just teach me what you know and I was like oh man you put me in a tough pickle because I said that I would like one of my intentions in my first class was like to be the best version of myself that I could be and so I didn't give my option myself an option to say no I was just like okay I'm gonna get out there and teach you the best that I can teach you so we went through the same three asanas for like half an hour and um and he came back and then another friend started coming and then my mom started coming. These were all private. And uh, so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna get everybody together because there's a lot of private sessions that we can all do in a group. I'm not certified at the time, I'm winging it. So I'm not gonna charge you, but I don't wanna do it for free. So a happy medium is we'll do karma sessions. So you pay what you can and uh, two times a year, that was um, exceptionally difficult for my household was uh, the holidays and back to school just because the unexpected expenses. Um, And so 
we use the money at first to support um, underserved communities with holiday gifts, with school supplies, and it kind of grew and grew and grew. And uh, we just launched last November. So November of 2020, we launched our line of uh, eco-friendly cork yoga mats. And we are getting ready to launch our line of t-shirts that are organic cotton. And the t-shirts are made by this company in India that takes women out of the sex trade and gives them opportunities um, that, well, them and their family opportunities to kind of change their lives. And so, yeah, just super excited about this this energy that we're creating and and how we're um, supporting um, each other and and the world and stuff like that. So that's pretty much uh, a little bit about Grove Campus and uh, and what we're doing. We actually just finished a baby shower initiative where we got eight mothers um, baby shower essentials because they can't have baby showers during COVID. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit. We take we take ten percent of our profits from the mat sales and uh, the shirt sales, and we put it towards our community initiatives, and uh, all the karma sessions and all the online events uh, are pay what you can just to make yoga as accessible as possible, and we use that to support community as well. Beautiful. So it's like a mission driven business instead of a nonprofit. Which I think is awesome because as nonprofits, you know, there's definitely benefits to being a nonprofit, but there's a lot of red tape and paperwork. And so sometimes being a mission driven business, you have more flexibility and freedom to make make the stuff happen that you want to make happen. So that's great. And if anybody listening wants to donate or wants to get involved in some way, what would be the best way to reach out? head over to grovecampus.com. That's our website. Uh, We have a page, a link where anybody, uh, if they want to contribute, they can contribute. And again, 100% of all contributions, whether it's directly online, whether it's one of our events, uh, karma session, 100% goes towards our community initiatives. Um, If they, again, we have an online shop, if they're looking for a mat or a shopping for a shirt um if they want to reach out directly to me they can send an email to info at grovecampus.com or uh, through instagram uh, our instagram handles grove campus as well awesome well thank you so much brandon this is a really fascinating and inspiring conversation i really appreciate hearing more of your story and uh, i hope it helps spread the message about what you're doing is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to share with my listeners today or anything that you wanted to just emphasize? Just a little bit. Again, if anybody is kind of at their ends with, they don't really have time for themselves. They're teaching as many classes as they can just to kind of uh, make ends meet then take the pressure off of themselves to kind of get out there and share the practice with uh, more people. It's really important that as yoga instructors that we take care of ourselves first. Um, but if you do have space in your schedule, time to spare, and you would like to kind of share the practice with um, different communities, um, there's many more benefits in the attempt 
and just even trying to get out there and, and share uh, rather than kind of staying on the sidelines, staying quiet. And yeah, there's that's what I would just kind of emphasize or really try to drive home is that trying and sharing and doing something is better than nothing. Even if you're worried about not getting it exactly right or worried about saying the wrong thing or worried about people's backlash or whatever, uh, don't, really don't. Um, it's again, trying is better than not. And you'll learn as you go. And of course you'll make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes and it's human to make mistakes and it's okay. And so, yeah, just give yourself permission to be human. Mm. Beautiful. And I want to thank you uh, for sharing your platform with me and and having me on here today. Uh, super grateful for you. Thank you, Brandon. I feel so lucky to get to meet and talk with incredible people like Brandon. I don't know about you, but this conversation made me feel so inspired to see where else I can be of service. I also love that he made it an invitation and not a demand or an expectation. Now is not always the right time, and it's essential to make sure that we do have enough bandwidth to give without completely burning out. Yet, when the time is right, giving can be one of the most nourishing things that you can do. One example of this from my own life is parenting. Parenting can be draining and depleting, And yet there's so many times when just staying focused on being there for my children helps me to let go of my own worries and be more in the present moment. Working with people who have bigger struggles and challenges than we do can do this also. It can put the things we've been overthinking in perspective. One of the biggest projects of my own life and a major focus of my yoga practice is to develop a more friendly relationship with my own thoughts. This involves noticing repetitive thoughts and the influence that they have over my behavior, while also giving more conscious focus to sensation. I've always been a person who lived more easily in my brain than in my body, and shifting that balance is one of the biggest gifts of my practice or one of the biggest intentions of my practice. The main thing is when I notice excessive thoughts of past or future to come back to the present to actually be in the now is such a tremendous gift that it's a wonder that it doesn't come more naturally. At least it doesn't to me. It's an ongoing project for me to remember and to find different ways to trigger that memory of be here now. One pattern I've noticed also is how big a role the season and the weather play into my ability to do this. I have experienced seasonal affective disorder for most winters that I've lived in temperate climates. I grew up in the tropics and I like to joke that my body just never developed a coping strategy for winter. The winter of 2019-2020 was the first year that I can remember not falling into depression and I was so excited to think that maybe, just maybe, I had figured out a bunch of different strategies to manage this tendency of mine. But this past winter, that theory was just blasted to shreds because I had the most severe and long-lasting episode of depression that I can remember, and I'm honestly still weaving in and out. It turns out that the winter of 2019-2020 was really mild, and this past winter was colder. 
So that's been a frustrating revelation because the problem with depression is that it makes staying consistent with my coping strategies really difficult. So the better I'm doing, the more I do the things that help. And once I start to spiral down, I have less ability to follow through on the things that I know will help. So I ended up needing to rebuild a lot of the habits that I had already put so many years into developing. And it gave me a new sense of compassion for people who don't have that knowledge or haven't spent their adult life building positive habits. It also makes me wonder, what could we do differently as a community and as a culture to support each other? I know it's not realistic for everyone to thrive all the time, but there's already so many reasons to struggle and to grieve just in the natural flow of life. And I guess my invitation for now is to focus on compassion, both with self and with others, to recognize that even when someone's external circumstances seem privileged, we don't know what their internal experience is like. And there is plenty of mental and emotional suffering happening to people who hold a tremendous amount of privilege and wealth and comfort. Living well is a project that doesn't end as long as we are breathing. So I hope that you are surrounding yourself with positive people, that you're spending time outside, that you're moving your body in a way that brings you joy. The word sadhana means the practices that lead towards your potential for full expression in this lifetime. And I'd love to hear from you how you are weaving sadhana into your life these days. You can find me on Instagram at yoga.teacher.resource, or you can email me at mado at teachingyoga.net to let me know. As always, thank you so much for listening, and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.